For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. show that I've been on some sort of extended vacation, but it's just been a week. It's been a week since we've been on here, and honestly, it's for no other reason than life gets in the way. Life just gets in the way, and I'll tell you, I almost almost didn't do this show tonight because I had to cut the grass. It's got to be done. I did, I did half of it. Did the backyard last night, right? And I cut it so close that it was almost pitch black as I was finishing. And then today I'm like, I got to do it. I got to do it. I don't have a choice. I'll have to do the podcast tomorrow. And Trish is like, No, you do the podcast, and I'll make excuses for why our grass is not cut. She's actually in the studio, uh, and and I, I want you to, to verify this, just so we've got it on the record. Just pull that microphone up right there, and uh, hold on. Here we go. What did you say? I said you're lying. Lying? I'm just joking. She said I'm lying. <laughs> she, uh, she told me to do the podcast. I did. I, I think basically what happened here was uh, she her, her thinking was... I don't want to have to be berated with politics tonight. Let him take it out on his listeners. So uh, instead of cutting the grass and then hammering me with politics on the backside, you go do the show. Is that pretty much that? That's what it was, wasn't it? Exactly what it was. Yeah, I knew it. Uh, But we decided to do the show. 
So y'all can thank her for having a brand new podcast. And we're going to try to do one tomorrow. We're going to try to do one Thursday. But we needed to get this under our belt because uh, there is so much going on. We had a mandatory show last Tuesday because obviously the Mueller report had been released the the what was it a Thursday the Thursday before that so we wanted to to come talk to you guys and kind of break that down for you a little bit and we did and even after that so much has happened it's just been absolutely absolute pandemonium pandemonium so that's what we're doing here tonight by the way, overthelineshow.com is the website. You want to email moi, that would be andrew at overthelineshow.com and hook that up. Yeah, we got some big things coming your way. As far as the show's concerned, we've almost got everything in line to where we are going to be bringing on sponsors and advertisers and businesses that we want you guys to patronize. Is it the right? Is that the right word? We want y'all to shop with these people because what we're gonna do is we are gonna be on the hunt for the best and the baddest um, advertisers, b- businesses, services out there, and we're gonna make sure you know who they are and know that they support this podcast. They'll be the reason that this podcast is is able to go. And and once we have that going, we're gonna have a more consistent schedule. I think that's what's what's most important because right now this podcast doesn't generate quite enough revenue to justify the the time of the day so you know it's not that i I don't want to do it it's just it's impossible to do and still uh make a living at this point so again over the line show.com let me also remind you about our sponsor nick the marketer and nickthemarketer.com, he's the one that handles all our website stuff and what they do there. Um, first of all, to be completely transparent, Nick is a friend of mine and has been for several years. He was the guy that really dragged me into the Birmingham market to be on the radio. Uh, he was there at the front, and he has supported me in all my endeavors as he is doing here. He does all of our stuff on that front, but he can do that for you as well. If you're a business owner... You've got a small business, a big business, anything anything you've got going on, whether you're selling Advocare or CBD or whatever the case is, whatever you got going on. If you need somebody to make sure people are seeing your website and your digital footprint, Nick the Marketer is going to make that happen. They have a stellar team put together that's there to take clicks and turn them into customers. Not just get people to come look at your website and make, you know, uh, make you feel good about yourself because you got a bunch of numbers, but taking those clicks and turning them into customers. That's what they do. That's what they specialize in. They do search engine optimization. They make sure people are going to see your website. They're going to see your product. They're going to see your service. So get in touch with him. Again, nickthemarketer.com. Phone number is 205 610-9550. 610-9550. Uh, that is area code 205. And if anything, reach out and just say, hey, Nick, wanted to let you guys know. I listened to Over the Line podcast. I noticed you are uh, a sponsor of that show, and I want to say I appreciate you uh, making it possible for that show to be put online. 
to be put out there for us to listen to, a conservative voice, when there's so many conservative voices being silenced on a regular a regular basis. Uh, it's it's good to have an extra one out there, even if it is as unprofessional as I am. My computer is not working. I've got the laptop, which is what I'm running off of, and I've also got my main computer where I keep all my information and my, my show prep and all that, and guess what? It ain't working. Man, I don't know what's wrong with it. And I don't have a tech guy. I don't I don't have an engineer here to fix it. Oh, i got to take a sip of my water because it's also very hot in here. Uh, but I think we can get through the show without that. I don't, I don't think we necessarily need it. Not today. That may be a different story in the coming days. All right. Y'all ready to get going? Y'all ready to break this stuff down? Because we got a whole lot to talk to. And by the way, hello to everybody watching on Facebook Live. Uh, I can't go through all y'all, but thank you. And everybody else watching on whatever other outlets we're on. I don't even know if we're on anything else. We've talked about it. I don't think we're there yet. We're on Facebook, though. If you haven't added, if you're listening to the recorded podcast, you haven't added the page, it's over the line on Facebook. Make sure you go like that as well. Uh, Starting off, let's do it. How about a little bit of winning? All right. I know it gets tiring. I know it's hard on you. To have to deal with all these this winning for the country, for the U.S. But yet again, winning has struck this country. This time in the form of the stock market. In the form of the S&P 500. In the form of the NASDAQ. They have closed today at record highs as earnings continue to roll in. That's right. S&P. NASDAQ. How about that? And here's what the media loves to do. If there's a bad day on the stock market, even if it's down slightly or there's a bad week or there's a bad month where it's gone up and down, the media rides that as far as they can. And then when things like this happen, when new records are broken, as they are on a pretty regular basis, you at that point get radio silence from those in the mainstream media. So don't expect to hear that a whole lot of places. That's why I'm telling you here. That's right. Record highs all over the place. We're drowning in record highs. So um, there's that. That's going on. Also... We've got, uh, let's see. Oh, let me bring this up. And this is kind of heavy. And I didn't want to do this at the top of the show. But uh, I feel as if I have to. Herman Cain. We knew a week or two or three or four or five or six. I don't know how long ago it was. But we know several, several days ago that Herman Cain was nominated by Donald Trump to hand up a position in the for the Federal Reserve, okay? Now, y'all know Herman Cain. He's a radio personality, ran for president at one point. I guess that was 2012 he ran. Uh, maybe it was 2008. I can't, I can't remember. But he ran during one of the times Obama won. And he's the guy that, that is the CEO of, of Godfather's Pizza, right? So he's a, he's a businessman, much like Donald Trump, just on a much smaller scale. And it can be debated, fairly debated, 
whether or not he would be qualified to be a part of the Federal Reserve. I don't know that I would even side on Herman Cain for that. I, w- I wasn't necessarily opposed to it, but um, I never really thought, hey, this was a bad decision or anything. Anyway, so that happens. And as of today, unless this happened yesterday, um, he has withdrawn his name from that position. So he will no longer be headed for any sort of confirmation hearings or anything like that. Why is that, Andrew? Well, I'm glad you asked, listener. Sexual assault and sexual harassment allegations started coming his way as soon as it was announced that he would have a seat on the Federal Reserve. Now, if you think back to when he was running for president, this exact same thing happened. And it cost him any sort of lead in that election. Now, here he is again, trying to join the world of politics. And he's a very smart guy. You see him all the time on different radio shows, and you see him on Fox News and all this stuff. Yet again, he has a chance to be a part of one of, if not the greatest administrations we have ever seen in this country's history. The light just came on when I said that, too. It's a sign. It's a sign that I'm right. It's a sign that I'm always right. He had that chance, and then these allegations come out just like they did when he was running for president. Those were uh, lifted up or presented, should I say, by everyone's favorite lawyer, female lawyer, Gloria Allred. You know Gloria Allred? She's in the business of high-profile sexual assault cases. And there's been times where she's been on the right side of, of said case. Other times, it's a publicity stunt. Think back most recently to the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation for the Supreme Court. Of course she was in the mix there. Of course she was. Well, here she is back at it with allegations thrown at the one and only Herman Cain. Donald Trump tweeted out on the 22nd, which would have been yesterday. He said, my friend Herman Cain, a truly wonderful man, has asked me not to nominate him for a seat on the Federal Reserve Board. I will respect his wishes. Herman is a great American who truly loves our country. Now, why would Trump say that about someone who's being accused of sexual assault, who's being confused, uh, confused, accused of sexual harassment? That's a crazy thing to say. It's because it's all fake. It's all show. It's all an attempt to obstruct the Trump presidency. I don't have to go through that. Y'all know that. But the bigger picture here is who it's against. It is against a very conservative and widely respected, in most sane circles, black 
conservative man. The Democrats have a history of this. And you don't even have to go back to the days of the Democrats' KKK. You don't have to go back that far. You don't have to go back before civil rights or even right after civil rights. You can think in recent history when a black man who opposes the views that the Democrat Party lays out for them that they must abide by on the Democrat plantation, when they stray from that, the Democrats seek to destroy said person. They've done it twice to Herman Cain. They did it to Clarence Thomas. It, they, they, they do it to any... You look what they did to Kanye. You look how they treat uh, Candace Owens. You look how they treat Joy Villa. Anybody that's African-American and dares to speak out against them. And this is pre-Trump. But especially now that Trump's in power. Trump is the standard. Trump is the bar that the Democrats have set to say, black people, you better not cross this line or we will ruin you. And that's what they're doing. That's what they've always done. They terrorize, and this is terror. This is actual textbook terrorism. If you look up the definition, it's intimidating people to get your way politically. They terrorize African Americans that don't think and don't believe like they tell them to think and believe. That's just the fact of the matter. The Democrat Party is still a party of racism. It's still a party of white supremacy. Let's be honest. This whole apologizing for being white, that's all a front. Even though some of them, I think, are honest, like Beto. I think he is genuinely upset that he's a white man. He gets all extra handsy about it when he when he talks about it. But it is the party of racism. It has been, it still is today. It's much like the person that says, I'm not a racist because I have a black friend. You know, and some of y'all have said that. Some of y'all probably said that today. Don't lie, you know you did. But that's what the Democrat Party is. We can't be racist because we do things for black people. Which they really don't, but they say they do. They demonize white people. They promise free handouts. They talk about reparations. All these things. That's that's what they think they do. That, that's what they consider sticking up for the black community. But they do that and they say, well, obviously we can't be racist. Because we got black friends. We're the party of the blacks. We're the only ones standing up for black people. So we can't be racist. But there's no political party in this country, no matter how you dice it, that is more racist than the Democrat Party and the fact that they use all their blood, sweat, and tears 
to mask it while being overtly racist is that much worse. You take that situation, you take... I mean, sometimes they slip up. You have Hillary calling black people uh, super predators. Uh, basically mocking black people, saying, uh, you know, she carries hot sauce in her purse when she was on an African-American radio show, The Breakfast Club, or whatever it's called. That's what they do. <laughs> Sometimes they slip up, and they actually show their racism. But they are most certainly the worst thing as far as politics, as far as government goes, that can happen to the black community. And the numbers back that up. It's not just Andrew's opinion. He just wants to say that the Democrat Party uh, hurts black people. I've got people... Some of you guys may know this fellow. His name is Henry Davis. And he, he went a bit viral when... Donald Trump won the election. He put on, uh, on a video where he was acting like he was going to cry because Trump won, but then he started busting out laughing. And then he's done some music videos after that, so on and so forth. Uh, he's on a tangent right now, if you, if you do follow him on Twitter or Facebook, about how Democrats... Well, he's been talking about how Democrats have done nothing for the black community, but now he's talking about Trump... Is hasn't fulfilled his promise of sticking up for the black communities he said he would do on the campaign trail. But if you really know what's going on and you really watch this stuff, you know that the reason some of these communities are in the shape they're in is because they're run by Democrats. It's simply that. The same Democrats that won't even allow Donald Trump to visit their city. Now, the reason he's talking about this stuff, because the other night he was uh, what he called, he was in the hood, he said, and he was grazed by a bullet. Somebody started opening fire, and he got grazed by a bullet, and he wants to know why his uh, his communities can't be cleaned up and some of that stuff um, weeded out, if you will. It's because of the local politicians. That is the very first place in situations like that, that you have to look. And those people continue to be elected in those cities, and they continue to run those cities into the ground. Why? Because they spend all their time and energy into masking their racism and presenting it as activism. Their activism is actually racism. Look at their stance on voter ID laws, okay? They say that it is racist for Republicans or Trump or anybody else to propose you would have to show a valid ID at the polling place in order to vote to prove you're an American citizen. They say that is voter suppression and it's an attempt to keep black people from voting. Why in the world would they say that? Because in their mind... Black people, people in, in, in impoverished neighborhoods do not have the ability and do not have the resources to obtain a free government-issued ID. 
not a driver's license, not a not a CDL, not a passport, just a free ID that says, here's this person's picture, this is their name, this is their address. That's it. They assume that because you're black, you can't get down to the DMV or whoever issues those things and get yourself one. But they say, no, 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 we're sticking up for you guys. Because that's not racist, because the Republicans are trying to keep you guys from voting. They've been doing it for a long, long time. And they will continue to do that, because they are the party of racism. And the latest instance of that is via Herman King, as you see. There'll be more to that story, and we'll bring it to you as you no. Um, the Time Time Summit, Time Mag, what was it called? Um, Time 100 Summit in New York. Now, the Time 100 Summit is a Q&A forum put on by Time Magazine. Excuse me. It's hot in here. And I'm losing my voice already. It's put on by Time Magazine, and they bring in very influential people into ask them questions at this forum. I think they take questions from the audience, and then they've got a, a host or a moderator there or whatever that asks questions as well. And, you know, people like Hillary Clinton probably get the questions in advance, so on and so forth. Anyway, I won't get into all that. But they had that going on today, and they, they brought on a few people. Hillary Clinton was one of them, and... I, I didn't watch it as it happened, but I saw this clip uh, just probably an hour ago. <laughs> and I almost spit out my water because it was just so funny to me. This moderator asks Hillary Clinton, what is her opinion on the Mueller report? And what is her opinion on what Trump actually did? Did he collude with Russia? Did he obstruct justice? And I want to let you hear her answer at this summit. It was absolutely precious. I want to get to, to 2020 and some other subjects also, but um, uh, before leaving Mueller, you're a lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, did Donald Trump obstruct justice as you read the... First of all, this guy sounds super nervous. And rightly so, because at any point, if he asks the wrong question or says the wrong thing, the Clintons could have him killed. Incidences as Mueller lays them out? Well, I think there's enough there that any other person who had um, engaged in those acts uh, would certainly uh, have been indicted. But because of the... Uh, the rule in the Justice Department that you can't indict a sitting president. Uh, the whole matter of obstruction was very directly uh, sent to the Congress. I mean, if you read that part of the report, it could not be clearer. I mean, I, you know, as I read it, basically what I thought it was saying is, look, we think he obstructed justice. Here are 11 examples of why we think he obstructed justice. But we're under the control of the Justice Department, and their rule is you can't indict.
But we do have checks and balances in America, and there is this thing called the Congress. I mean, you could not be more explicit than, please, look at this. You may look at it and conclude it doesn't rise to an impeachable offense. That's your job. But I'm giving this to you. Mm, okay. So let me, let me get this straight. Hillary Clinton. Uranium One Hillary Clinton. Deleted emails Hillary Clinton. Clinton body count Hillary Clinton. Has the audacity on a national stage to come out and say it's obvious that Trump has committed crimes and the only reason he is not being prosecuted is because he is president. The only reason he's not being indicted is because he's president and for a crime this egregious. That's the only way Donald Trump would be able to get away with something like that. The only way. The same person that is literally, and I mean this literally, gotten away with murder, gotten away with distributing confidential emails belonging to our government to God knows where to a creepo child molester's laptop a person that is literally sold and sold S-O-L-D actually sold 20% the rights to 20% of the uranium that would be coming to us to Russia the people they claim to be so concerned about which history, recent history, tells us they didn't give two squats about Russia as the Obama administration was well aware of what they were doing. This person has the audacity to say Donald Trump wouldn't get away with these crimes. Nobody would get away with these crimes because they're so egregious. So egregious. When they're not even the smallest percentage as bad as what Hillary has done. As bad as one of the things that Hillary has done. I, I, I couldn't even give you all the laws this lady has broken. And she still has the audacity to come out and say this kind of stuff. Which really doesn't matter. Because she's proven herself to... Uh, be someone who is completely out of touch with reality, and it's really why she's not president. It's why she didn't win the presidency in 2016. She has uh, no sort of grasp on reality whatsoever. Also, it's funny, as she brings this up, just a day before Nancy Pelosi sends out a letter to other Democrats, and I think she even made this comment at one of her press conferences that, hey, I understand that some people in my party want to impeach the president, and I think it's, I don't think it's a bad thing, or I don't think it's an illegitimate thing, but we need to go where the facts lead us. And this is her freaking out because she knows they don't have what they need to impeach a president, at least 
impeach a president and the American people be cool with it and still go into 2020 and her party win an election. She doesn't have the facts, so she's saying, let's see where the facts lead us and go from there. She said, there are other ways to find out what truly happened outside of impeachment hearings, outside of impeachment proceedings. So she's trying to, in a nice way, because Nancy Nancy Pelosi, Pilardi, Nancy Pelosi is the last person that runs that party. She is the last person that is the leader of the majority in the House of Representatives. It's the crazy, wacko, far-left liberals that are newbies in the House that are running that party. Because where Nancy Pelosi used to be able to stand up to anybody and everybody, now... She can't even stand up to the kids, children, in her own party. Because the Democrats have created a monster that they can't get a handle on. And the further they push this, the better off Trump's going to be. Y'all know that. That's not rocket science. It's frustrating to hear them say these things. It's frustrating to see anti-Semitic representatives be open about their feelings in the capital, in our nation's capital. It's frustrating, but it's beneficial. The further left they go, the higher Trump's chances go. And they're showing no signs of reversing course. They keep going left. Going and going and going. Also, at that Time 100 Summit, Jerry Kushner, the Kush, he was there as well. He answered some uh, some questions. They asked him about the Mueller investigation and his thoughts. And he simply said that this Mueller investigation did more damage to our democracy than anything the Russians did during the 2016 election. He said this 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 fake witch hunt, and I'm paraphrasing, this witch hunt and, and, and this attack on a duly elected president, this coup on a duly elected president did more damage to our democracy and was more threatening to our democracy than all the Facebook ads in the world and all the fake Twitter accounts in the world that Russia could get their hands on. Because think about th- think about Russia's efforts in attacking our democracy, if that's what we're going to call it. Their number one objective was to divide this country. And Democrats held out their hand and said, you got yourself a deal. We'll divide this country till the cows come home. The Democrats have been doing Russia's bidding since day one. Since this whole thing started, Democrats have been on the side of Russia. And the way they went about achieving this 
was to get on social media and just say a bunch of stuff. Was to get on social media and talk about hot button issues. And trying to get people stirred up. Trying to get... I mean, it's kind of like what I do on Twitter. I get on there just trying to make people mad. Make them block me. That's all Russia was doing. They were just stirring up strife in this country. And they were very successful at it. But all they did was go through social media and say stuff. They didn't change any votes. They didn't hack any any voting machines. They didn't even try to assassinate any politician. They simply got on social media and said some stuff. So the Democrats said the threat to our democracy, the true threat to our democracy, is that. Why? Why do they say that? Because they view you, the American people, as being too stupid, not smart enough to decipher what's real and what's fake, and that you let one of the most important decisions you, as an American, can make is casting your vote for really any office, but especially President of the U.S., You are too stupid to not let social media dictate who you're going to vote for. And that's why what Russia did is such a threat to our democracy. That's what the Democrats say. And Jerry Kushner at this summit said the opposite. He said what the Democrats did in their attempt to remove Trump from office with a fake scandal, with a fake investigation and continuing with their fake investigation was the biggest threat to democracy that we've seen in a while. Much bigger than Russia's handful of Facebook ads they purchased. Much more dangerous than a Trump Tower meeting with some chick that lied about what she wanted to meet about which was also set up by the Democrats. So it was fake as well. Because, as you know, she met with Fusion GPS before that meeting, and then right after the meeting, she met with Fusion GPS again. (laughs) That's not rocket science either. You can figure that out. But the liberal media has been running with the Kushner clip of him saying that today because the absurdity that he would... He would just brush off the Russian interference in the 2016 election. It just shows you how disconnected this White House is from reality. They say that on a daily basis as well. It's the people, and it goes back to the analogy where you're not racist because you got a black friend. The people that are most disconnected from reality are the ones that on a daily basis scream that the current occupants in the White House are disconnected from reality. They're the ones. They are the ones. No grasp on reality. Not just Hillary Clinton, not just not just the politicians, not Swalwell, not Adam Schiff, none of not just them. It's the morning Joes. 
It's the Mika Brzezinski. It's the Chris Cuomo. It's the Anderson Cooper and Don Lemon. It's all of them. They're all absolutely disconnected. Why? Because they live in a bubble. And this is why you see so many people in the big cities having the same liberal viewpoints. They live in a bubble. For instance, in New York, these media types live in this bubble where they all talk to each other about the same things and have the same opinions. Hollywood's a great example of that. Why is everybody uber-left in Hollywood? Because nobody disagrees with anybody. Nobody challenges anybody. Nobody says, I understand your viewpoint, but why don't you look at it this way? Nobody does that. Why does nobody do that? Because if you did, you would then be cast out from that community. And you would be treated as scum. You would be ruined. As we've seen time and time again. Anyway, I didn't mean to get off on that tangent. That's not what I need to talk about tonight. What I do want to talk about is what we saw last night. When I say we, I just mean me, because I'm sure y'all didn't watch it. But last night, CNN had this um, this this presentation. I don't know what you'd call it. They had a special that started at like 5 or 6, and uh, every hour... They had a different Democrat candidate on doing a kind of Q&A thing with the audience that they had there. And they took, I mean, there's like a bazillion people running for president on the Democrat ticket now, but they took just like the top four or five. And it was like Buttigieg, Buttigieg, whatever his name is, Mayor Pete. They took Elizabeth Warren. They took Kamala Harris. They took uh, Bernie Sanders. And uh, I don't know. There's probably somebody else in there I'm forgetting. They put all of those guys up on the stage. One at a time and asked them the tough questions. The tough questions that all Americans want to know. And then when they dodged the questions or they gave inaccurate answers or they just lied to their face with the moderator knowing they're lying, they gave him a pass each and every time. That's CNN for you. Which reminds me of an amazing tweet that Donald Trump sent out, I believe this was yesterday, um, and I posted it on the Facebook page, so you've probably already seen it. Let me pull this up real quick. I want to read it to you. It was so funny. He was talking about uh, Morning Joe. I think he called him Morning Psycho or something. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely fantastic. He says, Sorry to say, but Fox and Friends is by far the best of the morning political shows on television. It rightfully has by far the highest ratings, not even close. Morning Psycho Joe, who helped me get elected in 2016 by having me on for free all the time, has nosedived, he's too angry, dumb, and sick. A, a really bad show with low ratings, and will only get worse. CNN has, has a proven and long-term ratings and beyond disaster. 
In fact, it rewarded Chris Cuomo with a now unsuccessful primetime slot despite his massive failure in the morning. Only on CNN. <laughs> and for us, that's just funny. We think that's funny, and he's just poking back at the, the media who's treated him so poorly. But really what he's doing there is he is dictating their coverage. Now, they could spend time talking policy and, and promoting their candidates. And when I say their candidates, they are a wing of the Democratic Party. So they want the best Democrat nominee to be elected to run against Trump. Instead of them talking about that and helping voters, helping Democrat voters that watch their shows decide on who that best person is, they instead will talk for two hours about how Trump sent this tweet and they will analyze it for their entire show. And he knows that. And that's why he does that. He's playing them. He's dictating their shows. It's absolutely amazing. But they took a break from that last night. And they went and they had this little town hall, this Q&A, whatever you call it. And I want to play you some of the audio when we get back on the other side. Because um, since they're not going to be able to... Um, since they're not going to be able to break it down for you, since they'll be talking about that tweet, I will do it because I'm a nice guy like that. And I'm looking out for the greater good of this country. I'm looking out for your own good. I want the best for you. You, the American citizen. You, the over-the-line listener. Even though 75% of you guys, if not more, will not be voting in the Democrat primary. By all means, though, if you want to, you can. Just do it for fun. Democrats do it all the time. They'll go to the Republican primary and vote for the weakest candidate so their guy's got a better shot in the general election. It's actually a pretty smart tactic. How Democrats figured that out, I'll never know. They don't do smart things. I'm going to take a quick break. When we get back on the other side, I will play you some of that. You're going to love it. Over the line, overthelineshow.com, April 23rd. 2019 hang tight. What goes wrong? You're causing it the drive. Didn't want to turn that way. You're causing it the drive. Doesn't make a difference now. You're causing it. Are you looking to get the word out and help grow your business? Hey, it's Andrew from Over the Line, the podcast. We are looking to partner with brand new business owners to help grow their business and get the word out to our listeners so we can link them up with the best businesses around. They spend their hard-earned money on these products, on these services, and we want to make sure we get them teamed up with the right people. If you're interested in teaming up with this podcast and letting people know about your business, 
contact me, Andrew at OverTheLineShow.com. That's Andrew at OverTheLineShow.com. This report is brought to you by the Pancake King. Look out for a crash with two course sandwiches at Green Valley Road. How is this even possible right now? The Mountain Brook Pancakes confirms that a two course sandwich crash at Pump House Road overpass. Unbelievable, but true. We've got three hot, fluffy golden pancakes from the left and right lanes. That may be the cause of the crash. I'm Kathy. Egg white with your... How is this even possible? Traffic... April 23rd, 2019. I've gotten that audio from that Q&A town hall gimmick CNN conducted last night. But I do, and I didn't know we were going to do this, uh, at least tonight. It was just a thought that I had before we we started the show. Um, I've had a lot of people messaging me and asking me about this guy. And... Ask him where he's been, what he's been doing, what's his opinion on everything that's going on right now, because uh, this guy's a talker. He talks a lot. He's got a lot of opinions. And when you don't hear this guy talking, you start to get worried. You think he's either sick or he died or he's turned into a liberal, which all three of those would be awful, turning into a liberal being the worst one. But that person has decided that he will take time out of his busy, busy schedule and grace us with his presence right here on this podcast. That person, former state senator Scott Joseph Beeson. Scott Beeson, how are you? I'm doing great, Andrew. How are you? What is is Joseph your middle name? No, actually, Jason is my first name, so it's Jason Scott Beeson. Oh, yeah, I just made that up anyway. It's close. I mean, you're very common. I mean, you had the J. Jason is not a not. It, that doesn't seem like a normal name from from your era. Your mom I, must have been ahead of her ahead of her time. Scott was the very normal name. Well, when I think I when we moved to Gardendale, I think there were four Scots in my grade. Jason Scott sounds good. I don't. I just don't know if my parents ever said. Jason Beeson, and then they realized, well, that's not going to work. So that's how I ended up Scott. I'm going to start calling you Jason. <laughs> I, I, all this time, and I never knew that. That's actually pretty cool, Jason. Well, that's probably a reason. <laughs> probably that I never told you, Jason Beeson. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's really good to talk to you. I told you you had to come on this podcast because. Um, you didn't call me back the last time I texted you, and you promised me you would. 
So That's kind true, of and, and guilt does overcome me. I, I admit, I, I do some things out of guilt. Nothing. I, I get Beeson to do nothing last minute, but this was last minute, and he came through. I'm, I'm very proud of you. Um, first off, tell everybody what you've been. Tell me what you've been up to. I have no idea. Well, you know, still living off all those bags of money that the lobbyists used to drop off when I was in the legislature. But eventually, I'll have to find something. You know, way to way to make a living, and all that money you made from the radio station as well. Yeah, well, I mean that that'll last me five or ten more, well, minutes. Maybe. <laughs> right. Oh, well, the fact that it's gotten you this far is uh, very impressive. Well, no, I just I've continued to do some of the consulting I do. I do, you know, kind of messaging consulting that sort of thing, and I'm probably going to. Uh, try to get back or try to get into governmental affairs, lobbying, running campaigns, those kinds of things. Whether well, the stuff my expertise is in, right. but my heart is still with talking. But I just don't see that as a a viable thing to try to do right now. I'm I'm still kind of perturbed at the whole thing that happened to us all at the what I thought was probably one of the best talk radio stations in the country. And, uh, but you know, it is what it is. And I'm proud of you, Andrew, for doing this podcast and continue to get the message out to folks. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not easy. As you know, it's, it's tough to, to coincide the podcast with life in general, especially when you're just doing what you can to get by. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with that. I think we had a really good thing going and, and it was a shame it, it ended like it did. But for the people that are watching or listening to this podcast live right now, the chat room is filling up with um, getting back into Radio Beeson and uh, hashtag Beeson 2020. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Well, don't forget they can see my cable TV show. They can check that out. I'm still doing that. So that's how I... That's how I vent. That's how I, you know, am able to say some of the things that that I want to say. But it's still not the same as doing radio was. Now, uh, when are you? I was on the TV show what, like a month or two ago. When are you inviting me back up for that? Soon. Soon. <laughs> it's not what you want to hear. It's the same Soon. I gave you on call. I said on calling you back for this show. So soon. Could be, you know, Thursday. Could be, could be in five minutes. Who knows? That's right. All right. Well, since we got you on here, let's let's break down some of the stuff that's been going on because everybody wants to know your opinion on everything that's transpired. And there's so much going on. Everything from a bazillion uh, Democrats have announced they they're running for president to the Mueller re- report dropping. We're not going to have time to get to all of it, obviously, but let's just go with the obvious. And that is the Mueller report. Uh, where were you at when it dropped? What were you doing? What were your initial thoughts? Well, you know, we knew for a couple of days ahead of time that that, that report was going to come out. I was not surprised at all about that report. Um, I do. I still, to this day, think that Mueller's job was to get the president. I think that's what his his assigned task was. And... I think he realized somewhere along the way that they were just not going to be able to make that stick. And I do think that Mueller purposefully left these little crumbs in there in the report so that Democrats and the left and the media would have something to glom onto. And they have all jumped on this obstruction of justice, which is just 
the craziest, nuttiest, makes no sense in the world. But they know that the people who follow them and the people with Trump derangement syndrome, they don't have to have facts. They don't have to have reality. They just need something to hold on to so they can continue to just be, I don't know what they are, resistors, I guess. Yeah. And 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 Mueller purposefully left some stuff in there. When you write sentences, you know, I, I've been involved with a lot of political things for years and years, a lot of campaigns, uh, committee reports, uh, different organizations trying to say you know, why the state should give them money or the state shouldn't do this or the state should do that. And, and these things, especially when written by high-power attorneys, they don't leave little phrases in there for nothing. And when, when Mueller says something on the line, what was it of, well, this doesn't, we're not making any charges, but it definitely doesn't exonerate it, that, that kind of thing. That's not, that's not on accident. They put those things in there so that someone could grab hold of them. And, and that's why I still do not have a lot of respect for Robert Mueller. No, that, that's not what a prosecutor does. It, it was very obvious to those of us that are paying attention and, and realize what's going on. We see that he didn't have what he was tasked with obtaining. So what he had to do is is paint a picture that allowed Democrats to continue to run with this thing. And why Mueller or the Democrats or whoever haven't realized that this is only going to be detrimental to their cause uh, of re-election, um, that's what he did. It was, it was, it was not a, a, a report of findings from an investigation. It was a political document to say... Here's what you need to continue going with this. I don't have a crime. There never was a crime. We knew that. But uh, here's some things you can take with you to keep talking about this mess. Well, they, they did that. And then they, they had the what? The 14 referrals for criminal investigation. Examples, now, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can refer. I could refer, you know, I could refer Santa Claus as being as a, a toy story, a toy store thief if I wanted to, if I'm a federal prosecutor. So that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but he made sure they had that. And then you get this, the, the members of the media, what was it, Joe Scarborough on on Morning Joe, uh, them saying that, well, the president acting all upset and saying that we're, what was the word he used? I'm not going to say what he said, but we're effed and uh, innocent people don't do that. Bullhawk. Innocent people are the ones who are the most ticked off when somebody says, you know, think about it. If you did something you weren't supposed to do, you were a little kid growing up or, or you're speeding and you get caught and you're like, ah, oh, crap. Yeah. That's okay. I know. But if you, if somebody gives you a speeding ticket and you weren't speeding, you're ticked. Right. You're going to be defensive. <laughs> Absolutely. And if I'm the president, I, I brought this up to somebody the other day. If you if you are an employer, you're an employer, and you find out that somebody that works underneath you, or you work in a company, and somebody works underneath you is trying to get rid of you and trying to frame you, you dang straight, you're talking about firing them. You're talking about firing everybody. You're trying to figure out how to how to beat this back. I just think it is. I don't know what the word really is. I haven't been talking enough to have all my words at my disposal. I guess. 
But for anybody to go out and say that being upset about being unjustly accused is somehow shows guilt and not innocence, that person is just flat out lying to the American people. And I think Joe Scarborough did that. You were called a traitor to your country. You were uh, accused you're, of committing... You're a lackey for, for Putin. Right. I mean, you're just uh, carrying the water for you know, Russia. I mean, you can't... If you're a true patriot, like people like you and I are, and someone goes out and says, you're a traitor... Those are fighting words in Alabama. Yeah, it, it, they they say he has committed treason. For two years, said this man had committed treason. And in the world of Democrats, when they say you committed treason, that's their way of saying they want you dead. <laughs> they, they want you dead because the penalty for treason is uh, having your, or as April Ryan likes to say about Sarah Huckabee Sanders, have your head lopped off. <laughs> and that's, that's how that's we what shot people, but I guess she's... She's longing for the French Revolution. She's going back to medieval times. She wants yes. to bring back the guillotine. But of of course, he is going to be upset. And, and the funny thing is, is where he said, I'm effed, if he even said that. And I keep in mind, you know, well, this true. is not something they have on, on uh, tape. This is just what they've heard from people or what people have told them under oath. And we know now that plenty of people lied under oath and the Democrats have no interest in prosecuting any of these people just see Michael Cohen. Uh, there's even if he did say that. If you look at the full context, it had nothing to do with him doing anything wrong. And, and that's right. that's no. even said in the document. But Morning Joe and the rest of those guys they ran with it, and they said this shows that he's obviously guilty of colluding with Russia or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm shocked and I, I don't know how many of the American people I know that we we tend to think that this is going to help Donald Trump in his reelection and and maybe it'll help Republicans, which I'm not sure helping Republicans helps us much, much anymore since Republicans on the state level and at the national level have decided they're just going to be act like old Democrats. Right. Um, and that's another issue, I guess, for another show. But I'm not sure with the American people. I mean, I look at the president's approval ratings. They should be higher. He's been, you know, everything he has said for the last two two plus years is is accurate. He wasn't colluding with Russia. They they have nothing, and and his approval ratings have stayed exactly the same. We have a better economy than we've had in decades. His approval ratings stay the same. It is. It's a weird time that we live in this country, and I'm afraid we've just about created enough of the freeloader generations that uh, it may not be salvageable. I mean, I hate to be a, a doom and gloom person, but I think I'm, I want to make sure that people who love this country, who believe in this country, who believe in free markets and believe in Christian ethics and the things that made the country great, they have got to go vote because look what happened to us in the last, in the midterm elections. I didn't think Americans were dumb enough to put Democrats in charge of the U.S. House, and they did. Well, and it's also important to note that it, when Republicans win, 
they have not just won fairly. They had not just won because they got more uh, electoral votes or, you know, more people showed up at the polls. They've actually won and then had to defeat cheating as well. And I know that sounds like you're just sticking up for Republicans, Andrew, drinking Trump's bathwater. But Democrats cheat. They cheat at the polls. They do this every single election cycle. So you, And it's why they've got the advantage every year. You don't just have to beat them fairly. You have to beat them, and then you have to beat uh, illegal aliens. You have to beat dead people voting. You have to beat people voting uh, multiple times in multiple you states. Have, you, have to pe- you have to beat more people voting than are registered to vote. Yes. You have to beat more people voting than actually live in the community. And, and, and here's the thing. If anybody is missing it out there, this is what happens. The reason Democrats and leftists always complain about how the uh, voting voters are being suppressed, it's so that when someone comes along and says, hey, y'all can't do that. More people are voting here than are even registered. They have an automatic response, and they attack that person as someone who's trying to suppress the vote when that person is really trying to just make sure that there's honest elections. That's what they did in Georgia. That's what they do all over the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, and we I had a big rant at the beginning of this podcast about how uh, Democrats talk about Republicans— trying to suppress voters, in particular suppress black voters because they're they're apparent racist, when in reality, the people that claim uh, all this threat to our democracy and our elections, this, that, and the other, not only are they being hypocrites on that front and opening us up for more election interference or, you know, Russia, instead of just buying Facebook ads, actually changing votes... But they are also saying black people are not capable enough to get out and get a free government ID, even the the, the poorest of people. And that's not just black people. I'm just talking about on the front of, of racism when they say voter suppression is a race thing. They're saying because of the color of your skin, you can't even go get a, a free government-issued ID. Not a driver's license, not a CDL license. Uh, not a passport, just a regular free ID. You're not capable of doing so, and that's why we have to make sure you don't need that when you go vote. You you have to go vote. If there's well, somebody that, that's, that's what, not that's willing, why I say it really has nothing to do. Black voters don't believe don't believe they can't get an ID. They don't believe that other black voters can't get an ID. It's all part of a scheme, and its goal is to make Republicans black, white, green, orange, red, whatever color, be fearful and to make sure that we that we do everything possible to prove to the world that we're not suppressing the vote. So we come up with these ideas. We'll go out and vote for, I don't know what it is, early voting. Because we want to make, we want to prove that everybody can. And what, what happens? The Democrat political machine goes out and makes sure that Everybody, at least their name votes, they may not vote. They may not actually ever see the absentee ballot, but somebody did. It's just like in Florida. My prediction is, and and I don't know why people are not talking about this, the state of Florida, during the midterm elections, the people of Florida voted to, uh, to automatically restore the voting rights 
of felons. Now, they did that partially in response to, guess who, a judge who came along and said, oh, no, you can't do this. You know, you've disenfranchised all these felons. And part of the response was putting it on the ballot. Well, they added possibly a million, a little over a million or a little less, about a million voters to the rolls. Yeah. A million felons. And you know how close the presidential races have been in Florida? You know how close the gubernatorial race was? The U.S. Senate race was? You give the Democrat MoveOn.org George Soros machine a pool of a million votes. Don't you think they're going to round up 20, 30, 40, 50, maybe 100,000 votes for their candidates? Absolutely, they're going to. Absolutely. I'm not sure we can ever win that state after what they did to themselves in the midterm. Well, and we all know that George Soros has no problem paying $5 per vote, like put $5 on an inmate's books in order for them to vote, which I know we're talking about felons that are out of jail, but right. it's it, it's absolutely ridiculous, and that's the whole purpose. It's, it's well, part I mean, what, of the cheating what was scheme. The vote, what was the difference in the gubernatorial race and the U.S. Senate race? Uh, was it was it 10,000 in the governor's race or less than 20? It was very and, slim. And then something less than 50 for the U.S. Senate race. But you get my point. If you yeah. got 100,000 or a million people out there possibly, and you give them two years to do it, I think they turn, they flip 20, 30, 40, 50,000 votes into extra Democrat votes. Yeah. They can literally sway not just statewide elections, but national elections with that, especially as this thing. Uh, as this thing spreads, and I haven't talked about it yet, but uh, you know the the thought process be, be, uh, behind some of the Democrat candidates that every American should have the right to vote. I mean, this is outside of illegals voting, but everybody from the Boston bomber to the the, the white kid that ran over the protester in Charlottesville during the Unite the Right protest stuff. Like, and, and I don't think they realize what they're doing on that front. But literally, it's those crazy far-left policies. But I want to go back real quick to yeah. your your point about the polls. And okay. we remember how wrong the polls were in 2016, and it's just easy to dismiss the polls now because of what happened back then. But I don't think that's always going to be the case. I think, though that the same reasoning behind why the 2016 polls were so wrong still apply today, and maybe even more so because everything's so polarized. Trump supporters, So are you telling me Trump supporters would not answer polling accurately? They would say, I don't, I'm not, I don't support the president. I, I don't and think you that, think they're skewed against the president, but far more people are supportive. No, I, I don't think that they're, 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 saying I don't support the president, I think they're just not getting involved with it. I think they're just saying, uh, you know what, I, I, was, I vote I was neutral. before they were just lying to the pollsters. And they may be. That may be the case. But you, when you see on the news people getting attacked, everybody from adults to women to children to teenagers getting attacked for wearing a MAGA hat or whatever the case is, you realize it's not worth the trouble for you to even answer a question from a pollster honestly 
because you don't know how they're going to react. Like, for well, you instance, don't know if that's really a pollster or, or who it is. And... Or somebody wants to come vandalize your house. Like, mm-hmm. And listen to this. I'm, I'm in Birmingham every day, all day, doing Uber and Lyft. I wear on my right wrist two wristbands that say Trump 2020, keep America great. Okay. And there has been plenty of money in the form of tips that I've missed out on because of these. I can also, with my sunglasses on, look in my rearview mirror as I'm driving down the road and see them eyeballing my wrist seeing these bands. And this is not everybody. This is a handful of people. Right. And you feel them judging you because everything is so polarized. And some people, that would literally put them in a position to say, it's not worth me putting myself at risk. At risk for being either ridiculed or physically harmed or harassed or whatever the case is. So I think it's highly likely that they're like, they they either lie as you said or say you know I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not going to be a part of this poll I don't I don't keep up with politics or whatever. I hope you're right. That would be that would be the best thing to happen. On, on my cable show, I like to play clips of these these man on the street things and going to college campuses and asking them about. I don't do it, but it's other people have done it, asking them about socialism or or free college tuition or free health care. Why are you a Bernie supporter? That kind of stuff. And I'm just always fascinated with how many Americans have no idea what they're talking about. And my, my favorite one is when they say, they ask the question, well, what about when the president said this? And, and the person answering the question will be, he's a racist. He is terrible. He's awful. He should be you know, thrown in jail. And then they say, well, this wasn't Trump. This was Barack Obama. Right. And the person is speechless. And they are just taught to be anti-Trump. That's kind of the, if you're cool, if you're with it, you're anti-Trump. And and that kind of stuff is worrisome. Right. It certainly is. And you have every every reason to worry. There's there's several things that, that show the glass half full instead of half empty. But the fact that that we've got people in the race, you got Bernie Sanders, for instance, who's uh, running uh, second place behind a guy that hasn't even announced he's officially announced he's running. Um, that would have been unheard of 10, 20, 30 years ago that an open, openly socialist guy would be that popular and how popular he was in 2016. I mean, there's a there's a good possibility that he could be our president today had not Hillary Clinton bought the DNC and stolen the uh, the primary from him. And that's well, scary. I, I think I think that what has happened is, and, and I don't know how long you want me to rant on your show, and I appreciate you having me on, is that I really do believe that the the liberal or left leaning assault on public education we're finally seeing the fruit of all the seeds that have been planted for the last maybe 50 years, maybe longer than that. If you, if you ever study some of the history, um, this, this whole idea is a great example. This whole idea of calling the United States a democracy that was unheard of until what something like 
I want to say 1910. So we're looking at 110 years almost now. And a purposeful effort was done to start beginning talking about America as a democracy. And textbooks began to say, say it was a democracy, even in some of the military training stuff began to call the United States a democracy. And it seems like something small, but then you fast forward to 2019 and all of these people are talking about things being threats to our democracy. And then we have democratic socialism, like, like that's like democratic socialism supposed to be better than regular socialism. Right. And people are okay with it. And I think a hundred years ago, some of these ideas, people would have been repulsed by them. But over time, we just don't realize we're kind of the frogs in the, you know, the, the warming water. We don't realize what they're taking away from us. Now we go out and say socialism's bad, and half the people go, "Well, really? Why? I, I thought it was okay. I thought it was just another alternative, and I thought we, it would all be fair." Yeah. Um, and it, it takes time to do that, and it has finally sunk in when our own teachers at school don't know the difference then you're kind of you're kind of lost you don't have someone just brainwashing the next generation you have a brainwashed generation brainwashing the second third and fourth generation of students being led to the slaughter well yes uh, and, and they don't and they don't know any better it's like it's a it's like it's a great mystery that things have been hidden from so many americans and it shows like yours, shows like the one I used to have, that actually opened some people's eyes. Well, but they're they, not getting it. They've been given enough talking points to snap back, or as AOC likes to say, clap back at people that <laughs> yes. dare challenge uh, their line of thinking. Even though they don't completely understand it, they just know enough lines to be able to snap back at you and say... Uh, this is why you're wrong, and this is why socialism is going to work in this country. This is why it's going to work this time. So here's what I'm going to do, Beast. And there's so much stuff to talk about that we would never be able to fit it in, even if we wanted to. Uh, and now that you've scared the crap out of my audience with all that talk, <laughs> I'm going to let and you And I didn't go. even get to talk about Montgomery. Oh, yeah. The, well, he, you here's... remember how great it was going to be when Republicans took over in Montgomery? <laughs> no new taxes. I really believe those cats in Montgomery believe that raising uh, the what do they call it the fuel tax yeah counts as not breaking a no new tax pledge because uh, I was just raising an old tax that's not a new tax I really believe some of those knuckleheads think that well listen we're just relieved <laughs> that we dodged the one cent tax Walt Maddox was talking about on the campaign trail thank God that didn't happen <laughs> at least Walt Maddox was like hey yeah I'm for raising taxes <laughs> all, all of our folks were like oh, I, of course not I would never no uh-uh, just be quiet about it right I, I want to I want to brag on one thing okay I talked to somebody I knew in Montgomery who's pretty high up down there. And I said, man, you guys better be glad I wasn't still down there. It would have been, it would have been on. You'd have been all over I would TV. Have killed, I would have killed that thing. And uh, <laughs> this person said, well, I'll just go ahead and tell you. Um, so I've been out four years, right? Yeah. He said it was actually brought up in a meeting that we were very glad you aren't still in Montgomery. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was that was pretty nice. That's that was pretty the nicest good. thing anybody said to me for a while. They was glad. They were glad I was not there. They were getting ready to roll the gas tags out, and then Beeson comes up. And they're like, "Thank God he's not here anymore." 
We'd never be able to get this thing through. He'd, he'd be shouting it from the rooftops. Oh, it covered. would have been. It would have been ugly. That is so funny. Well, here's what I want to do, Beeson. Um, I, I really, I would love, and I know you, you've got your outlet of the TV show, but you need more expo. I don't, I don't want to call it exposure. You need more opportunities to relieve the political stress that goes on in your head because you've got to keep all this stuff to yourself. You don't get to put it out over airwaves or anything like that. So you have an open invitation on this show. We can make it a weekly thing or whatever the case is where you come on. And I know I told you it was going to be like 10 minutes and we've been on the phone together for 30 minutes. But we'll literally, if we make this a regular thing, we'll literally keep it at a certain time and and have you on to, to talk about some of this stuff, especially the state stuff. Because you know how I am about that, and and I'd love to get some of that insight from you. You got it. Well, we'll do it. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how the job goes and how the time goes. But I do appreciate you having me on. And you got a great podcast. I hope people just keep on telling telling their friends and neighbors about it, so you can just keep those numbers just keep going up. Tell your mom and them. Say it. <laughs> Tell your mom and them. There you go. <laughs> All right, Scott Beeson. Appreciate it, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right, see you, Andrew. Bye. There's your man, Scott Beeson, uh, calling me at the last minute. I'm so excited I got to talk to Scott Beeson. I'm glad y'all got to hear from Scott Beeson. Uh, the, and there were so many things we needed to talk about. We were never going to get to them, but whatever. So here's what I want to do, because we, we don't really have much time left in this podcast. We're already over the time limit that we, uh, we wanted to do. But I promise y'all some of that CNN stuff from last night. So let me breeze through that before we split. Um... I told you it's it's Elizabeth Warren, Mayor Pete, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, just some of your front runners for the Democrat primary, right? And just to kind of hit the high points for each of them, Elizabeth Warren, um, she's come out. She's actually the first 2020 contender to come out and just straight up say it's time to impeach the president. Now that we see the Mueller report, it's obvious he needs to be impeached. She's pulling no punches. And the reason she's doing that is because she's sagging behind in the polls. And she thinks that it's because she's not connecting with the far left side of the party. Which is really not the case, but she thinks. It's not going to vote well for her, but whatever, let her do her thing. She knows what she's doing, okay? She knows what she's doing just like she knows she's Indian. Indian-American. Native American, excuse me. Didn't say that right. But another big thing she talked about was the universal child care, the universal pre-K, universal free college tuition, and all this kind of stuff, and how she's going to pay for it. It's a very simple method. Here's a little bit of uh, the audio. From that CNN town hall, the Elizabeth Warren version. I had to take out loans to pay for my education that I'll be paying off for years. What is your plan to deal with student debt and the rising cost of education? Okay, thanks for the question, Dina. You know, this is the America we live in now. Uh, basically, to get a shot at a middle-class life, you've got to have some post-high school technical training, two-year college, four-year college, maybe graduate school, depending on who you are and what you're ending up doing. The position of the federal government has been good luck to you. You're on your own. The one thing they've done is they've lent tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, billions of dollars to our students, and it is now crushing them. 
So my proposal is to say this isn't right. What we have to do as a country is roll back that debt. And so I have two parts to the proposal. Part one is that we say uh, that we are going to roll back student loan debt for about 95% of students who have debt. That's part one. And part two is to make sure that we never get in this mess again on student loan debt, and that is to make college universally available with free tuition and fees and to put more money into Pell Grants so that students of color, so that our poor students have real access to college, and that we put some real money into our historically black colleges and universities. This is about opportunity for everyone. Can we talk about how to pay for it? I was just, just for a minute. That. You want to ask? No, oh, please. Because that's criticism, obviously, from Republicans who say, how are you going to pay for it? Please tell us how you're going to pay for this. Some centrist Democrats who say, doesn't this feed the narrative that Democrats just want to give everything away for free? So let's remember where this all started. I started in several months ago talking about a wealth tax, an ultra-millionaire's tax. It's two cents on every dollar of the great fortunes above $50 million. So your 50 millionth and first dollar, you gotta pay two cents and two cents on all of the dollars after that. And here's the stunning part. If we ask the great fortunes in this country, and understand, this isn't about trying to be nasty or say that you've done anything wrong. What it's about is saying, look, you had a great idea, you got out there, you've worked hard, or you inherited well, whichever one it was. <laughs> but now that you've got that great fortune, spend just a minute to remember how you got it. You built that great business, or your ancestors did, using workers that all of us help pay to edge. And then Obama comes and pushes her down and says, you didn't build that. Market using roads and bridges that all of us help pay to build. You were protected in your factories with firefighters and police officers that all of us help to pay. And we say, good for you that you have now gotten this great fortune, but two cents, you gotta pay something back so everybody else gets a chance. And here's how the money works out. If we put that two-cent wealth tax in place on the 75,000 largest fortunes in this country, two cents, we can do universal child care for every baby zero to five, universal pre-K, universal college, and knock back the student loan debt burden for 95% of our students and still have nearly a trillion dollars left over. Right. Yeah, we'll believe that. Now think about this, just just real quick. You always hear them talk about the 1%. Richest 1% in this country. The top 1%. How many people are in this country? Um, I'll lowball it. We'll say 300 million people. Okay, I think it's like 360 or something like that. And that's probably inaccurate. It's probably way higher than that. So, saying there's 300 million people in this country and the top 1% of people in this country, I'm sorry, the, 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 the top 
which is gauging people by their wealth, the top 1%. What is 1% of 300 million? What is that? That's 3 million people. You are wanting to financially rape 3 million people by putting an absurd 70 and says 2 cents. Two cents wealth tax on the super rich. Three million people. People that create jobs. People that contribute to this economy. People that contribute to charities. People that will take their money elsewhere if they know the government is going to steal it from them. And at that point, your grand idea is all of a sudden down the drain, but you've already promised the free stuff. So then, guess what? You have to give the free stuff. And who's on the hook for it? The people like us, who can't afford to stash our money offshore. We'll be on the hook. Democrats are adamant about this issue for one reason and one reason only. You know, if you send your kid to college, when your kid comes back, you are going to have to combat a liberal ideology that has been instilled in that child at that university. Now, if you raise that kid on strong conservative, uh, a strong conservative foundation, they may be able to combat that. But it's hard for a kid that age to go to college a kid that wants to be accepted by their peers to go and not buy into that stuff. Maybe not necessarily because they believe in it, but because they want to fit in. And you can't blame them for that. And then they start doing it so they can just fit in, but then it becomes actual actual reason for them. It becomes their way of thinking. And then they come home, and then you have to combat that. They want every parent to go through that. They feel as if you don't, if you don't go to college, you cannot live a successful life as well. Learning a trade is not going to make you successful. You have to go to college. You have to have a job where you're wearing a suit and tie every day. Because their agenda... Is not going to allow you to get a job that you would obtain without a college degree, that you would learn a trade and go to, or that you would. Here's a perfect example. They need you to go to college because if they get their way, there'll be no more coal mines, there'll be no more steel mills. There'll be no more blue-collar jobs. Because we got to save the earth. New York is literally saying right now that they're trying to ban steel and glass skyscrapers, y'all. <laughs> this is how crazy they are. They're absurd. They want this country. They want to ruin this country because they feel it's the moral thing to do. Because they live in some sort of twisted fantasy where America is the best country in the world 
but they got there in an immoral way, and it needs to be taken away from them. It's not about saving the planet. They know the global warming numbers are fudged. It's about globalism and about bringing America down to everybody else's level and even lower. That's what that's about. That's what Elizabeth Warren stands for. That's what the Democrat Party stands for. Now, Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg, his first, the first part of his name is B-U-T-T, so it's but, but I think it's Buttigieg. Mayor Pete, as they call him, or as he calls himself, um, he hasn't really talked much policy. He doesn't even have any policy points on his website. Like, if you go to his website, unless they've changed it in the past 12 hours, there's nothing really talking about policy on his website. All that it talks about is, I'm a veteran, and I'm gay. So? And I'm a regular American, because I'm from from, uh, uh, South Bend, Indiana. So? Nobody cares. The voters of Indiana sure don't. You, you may have won in South Bend, but guess what? Most of Indiana, most of Ohio, most of Michigan, these guys are blue-collar good old boys. They're not going to vote for you just because you're gay. They're not going to vote against you because you're gay. But they sure as heck aren't going to vote for you because you're gay and because you serve this country. Which, by the way, I asked the question on Twitter today, has anybody actually checked on Pete Buttigieg on his military record? He claims to be a veteran. The media claims to be he, that he's a veteran. But the last time we trusted the media to vet someone's military service, we were told some angry old Indian guy was a Vietnam vet that was harassed by some white kid. If you're a Democrat or you promote their cause and you tell them I'm X, Y, and Z, they're not going to double check. So somebody might want to check on that. Just a heads up. You you might want to look at it. Not that I think the guy's lying. I'm just saying. Somebody might want to check. That's all. But he does talk just a little slither of policy. Just a little bit. And he touched on the Second Amendment. What did he say about the Second Amendment? He says that gun control is, in fact, compatible compatible with the Second Amendment. That you can have gun control and still keep the Second Amendment intact. That's what he believes. He is Mr. Gun Control. And so is, so is Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris actually said that if Congress doesn't act and implement gun control in her first 100 days, that she will use an executive order to implement gun control as president. Uh, As a future educator, I am really bothered that public schools are being targets for uh, mass shootings. Uh, Two days ago was the 20th anniversary of the Columbine massacre, but still two decades later, no major gun control legislation has been passed. So my question is, as president, how will you go about keeping our schools safe and keeping guns out of the hands of those who should not have them? Thank you, Ben. And I'm sure that there are plenty of students here who 
while you were in um, high school, even middle school, that you had to participate in a drill, right? Where you were convened and your teachers taught you about how you need to go and run in a closet because there may be a mass shooter roaming the hallways of your school. And in our America, that should never have to happen. Conversations take place every night. Conversations take place every night between students and their parents. Why do these things have to happen? Why do we have to have a drill like that? To which, of course, the response is because there are people in Washington, D.C., supposed leaders, who have failed to have the courage to reject a false choice, which suggests you're either in favor of the Second Amendment or you want to take everyone's guns away. Supposed leaders in Washington, D.C., who have failed to have the courage to recognize, you know what, you want to go hunting, that's fine. But we need reasonable gun safety laws in this country, starting with universal background checks and a renewal of the assault weapon ban. But they have failed to have the courage to act. So, Ben, here's my response to you. You, you just listen to the terminology, a renewal of the assault weapons ban. That the assault weapons ban was a thing at one time, but we had a radical far right-wing government that took it away and gave people access to machine guns and turret guns and, and all kinds of dangerous stuff. Upon being elected, I will give the United States Congress 100 days to get their act together and have the courage to pass reasonable gun safety laws. And if they fail to do it, then I will take executive action. And specifically what I will do is put in place a requirement that for anyone who sells more than five guns a year, they are required to do background checks when they sell those guns. I will require that for any gun dealer that breaks the law, the ATF take their license. And by the way, ATF, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Well, the ATF has been doing a lot of the A and the T, but not much of the F. Mm -hmm. And we need to fix that. <laughs> and then... Demonizing law enforcement. On the third piece, because none of us have been sleeping over the last two years, part of what has happened under the current administration is they took fugitives off the list of prohibited people. I put them back on the list, meaning that fugitives from justice should not be able to purchase a handgun or any kind of weapon. So that's what I do. Fugitives from justice. So basically, what you just heard, Kamala Harris... First of all, cited laws that are already in place, pretended they were no longer there, they were taken away by Trump, and she's going to re-implement them. She said Trump is allowing fugitives to have guns, which would still be illegal. Um, and she demonized the ATF, saying that they're not doing their job. They're not taking away the license of people who uh, of, of of gun retail stores, gun, gun retail owners uh, that are illegally selling guns. They're not doing anything about it. They're just letting them have it. Just hit my microphone. I'm so angry. <laughs> so basically, in other words, Kamala Harris is going to do absolutely nothing. If Congress fails to act on doing nothing then she is going to use an executive order to demand more of nothing be done. 
about guns. Y'all know the story. Y'all know how this goes. Democrats and liberals get on their soapbox and they yell and scream about guns and gun laws and they know nothing about either. They scream about semi-fully automatic machine guns. They scream about things that they've just made up off the top of their head. And they scream about laws that are already in place that they're going to implement when they're in power. They have no idea what they're talking about. So when, uh, when what's her name? When Kamala Harris says all these things that she's going to do, she is saying to those people in that room and people all across the country, if you elect me, I will do nothing about guns. Gun violence, gun control, whatever. And by the way, why does she sound like she is on the verge of tears every time she speaks? Could you imagine her sitting in a room with Vladimir Putin or any other world leader? Sitting in a room with Kim Jong-un trying to prevent the next world war. As a woman, you're already at a disadvantage because of the way that, that, that those people in that part of the world view women. So you, you've got to step your game up. But you get in there and you sound like you're about to cry? <sighs> Give me a break. And then the best, I saved the best for last. Bernie Sanders said so many things I will not be able to fit them in this podcast but we will talk about them at a later date. He said things, everything from gun control to voter suppression to the fact that Israel, recognizing Israel as an ally of the U.S., but we can't be aligned with them right now because they are governed by a, quote, far-right racist government. We've got a guy who is a proud socialist saying that our ally Israel is being run by a racist government. And this guy is Jewish. This guy is Jewish. The Democrat Party hates Israel so much that even the Jews in that party denounce Israel. And why does Bernie Sanders say Bibi Netanyahu and that that uh, that administration is is racist? It's because they don't allow Hamas and they don't allow the Palestinians to murder their people and to breach their borders. And this is a topic for another show. I'm not going to get into all of it. But you know that there are men, women, and children that are senselessly killed in that conflict on the Palestinian side. So they are right on that front. But the reason that happens is because Hamas and the other terror groups and angry Palestinians, they all rush to the border, they throw... Molotov cocktails, they 
They detonate bombs. They send fire kites or whatever they're called. Anything they can do to kill Jewish people. They do on the border each and every day. And they drag women and children out there with them. Innocent women and children. So when Israel and their military is forced to fire back, those women and children end up dying. And Hamas and the Palestinians have no problem with that. Because they are not in just a normal war or a, a, a normal battlefield scenario. They're in a battle for the narrative of this entire thing. And if they can get a major portion uh, of the political community in the U.S. to be on their side, they're winning. That's why they do this. Those women and children that they, they send out there to die is for the greater good, in their opinion. It's so they can put them in the line of fire, and when they die, they report to news agencies like the AP, like the NBCs, like the CBS, and the, and the CNNs and the MSNBCs. So they can tell them Israelis are killing innocent Palestinians, and they'll happily report it without even investigating or trying to see what the bigger picture is, or what actually is going on, or why these people were actually killed. But in Bernie Sanders' opinion, it's just Israel being racist and just wanting to kill brown people on the other side of the border. That, in my opinion, is probably one of the most, if not the most absurd thing he said last night. But if it was the first, this was a very close second. He was asked about a position that he has stated in the past about how every American has the right to vote even if they're a felon, as we talked about with Beeson, or if they are currently serving time, even life, even on death row in prison, that they still have the right. That interaction went down like this. Live on CNN. If we can get it to play. Senator Sanders, you have said that you believe that people with felony records should be allowed to vote while in prison. Does this mean that you would support enfranchising people like the Boston Marathon bomber, a convicted terrorist and murderer? Do you think that those convicted of sexual assault should have the opportunity to vote for politicians who could have a direct impact on women's rights? Okay, thank you for the question. And, uh, and let me just say this. What our campaign is about and what I believe is creating a vibrant democracy. Today, as you may know, we have one of the lowest voter turnouts of any major country on earth. I want to see us have one of the highest voter turnouts. And by the way, what we're seeing is more young people getting involved in the political process, but not enough. And in my view, if young people voted at the same percentage that older people voted in this country, we would transform this nation. But to get to your point, we live in a moment where cowardly Republican governors are trying to suppress the vote. And in fact, right here, as you may know, in New Hampshire, the legislature and the governor are working hard to make it 
more difficult for young people to vote. And to me, that is an incredibly undemocratic, un-American process. And I say to those people, by the way, if you don't have the guts to participate in free and fair elections, you should get another job and get out of politics. All right? So we got to... So here is... And to answer your question, as it happens in my own state of Vermont, from the very first days of our state's history, what our Constitution says is that everybody can vote. That is true. So people in jail can vote. Now, here is my view. If somebody commits a serious crime, sexual assault, murder, they're going to be punished. They may be in jail for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, their whole lives. That's what happens when you commit a serious crime. But I think the right to vote is inherent to our democracy. Yes, even for terrible people. Because once you start chipping away and you say, well, that guy committed a terrible crime, not going to let him vote, or that person did that, not going to let that person vote, you're running down a slippery slope. So I believe that people who commit crimes, they pay the price. When they got out of jail, I believe they certainly should have the right to vote. But I do believe that even if they are in jail, they're paying their price to society, but that should not take away their inherent American right to participate in our democracy. Applause for the answer. My follow-up question goes to this being like you're writing an opposition ad against you by saying you think the Boston Marathon bomber should vote not after he pays his debt to society, but while he's in jail. You sure about that? Well, Chris, I think I have written many 30-second opposition ads throughout my life. <laughs> this will be just uh, another one. But I do believe, look, you know, this is what I believe. Do you believe in democracy? Do you believe that every single American 18 years of age or older who is an American citizen has the right to vote? Once you start chipping away at that, believe me, that's what our Republican governors all over this country are doing. They come up with all kinds of excuses why people of color, young people, poor people can't vote. And I will do everything I can to resist it. This is a democracy. We've got to expand that democracy. And I believe every single person does have the right to vote. You like how he finishes that. He says Republican governors across the country are coming up with all these reasons to get people, for, for people not to be allowed to vote. People of color, young people, people that are not citizens. Absurd reasons. Absurd reasons. For people not to vote. That's scary right there. That is absolutely terrifying. So let's just run the list of people under the Bernie Sanders administration that would be able to vote if he, in fact, passed this law in his administration, made this a thing. You would have the, the, the Boston Marathon bombers, obviously, the Sinarov brothers, they're still alive. You would have uh, tons and tons of, of child molesters, child rapists, uh, regular rapists, plenty of murderers. You've got Charles Manson, would be able to cast his vote. He's still alive, right? You've got the guy from Charlottesville, Virginia, that tragically ran over that 
female protester, as you remember, he would have the right to vote. The Uber driver that just recently killed that young girl in South Carolina as she thought she was getting into her Uber, he would then have the right to vote. Just think about, in your mind, the worst people that are currently incarcerated that did the most awful things imaginable. I just read a story today about a guy getting in fight, getting in a fight with his girlfriend or his wife or whatever. And he ended up shooting his young child that looked to be maybe one, one year old in the face with a shotgun because he was fighting with his girl, with the mom, mother of this child. He would have the right to vote. If Bernie Sanders has his way. The most evil, deranged people in this country, Bernie Sanders says, should have the inherent right to vote. Now think about that. And it's not just one vote. There are plenty of these sick, deranged people out there. Plenty of these sick people that are in prisons. What does that open us up for? Does that open us up for a member of the NAMBLA Association to then run for president? The National Association of of Man-Boy Lovers of America? Men that openly express their pedophilia and try to convince people that it's normal? Does it open the door for those people to run for president? Because they've got a a voting base locked in at that point. The people in, in prison for molesting children and raping children, they're going to definitely vote for that guy. He gets in there, he's going to give all those guys a pardon. They'll get out of prison. What about people that uh, promote, uh, say, terrorism is okay? That the Boston Marathon bombings are okay. You got the Sarnai brothers. You got plenty of other. What about the 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 guy that sent the 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 mail bombs to Democrats around the country? If that's even real, he would then have the right to vote. You almost wonder to yourself if if Bernie's even thinking these things through, because. If you, you could go just down a list of people that would go against everything Bernie Sanders claims to stand for. Think about all the skinheads in prison. All the, the white supremacists in prison. The awful, awful people that not only shouldn't see the light of day, but some of them shouldn't be breathing the same oxygen that we're breathing. Bernie Sanders says that those people should be granted the right to help decide who governs this country. How scary is that? How terrifying is that? That will come back to bite Bernie Sanders. As scary as that is, I actually think that could be a good thing. Because Bernie Sanders still has a lot of popularity. And Bernie Sanders would have won the 2016 primary had it not been for the Democrat Party and Hillary Clinton screwing him over. And he had enough momentum 
that he could have done a much better job against Trump than Hillary ever would have. It may have been the best thing for those of us, not just as Trump supporters, but as Americans. Could have been the best thing that he could have said. Because the people of Wisconsin, the people of Michigan, the people of Iowa, never in a million years will they go for a policy like that. That's it for tonight. Overthelineshow.com. I am Andrew McLean. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us tonight. We will bring you a brand new episode as soon as possible. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, uh, Podbean, and all kinds of other places. Go look us up. Check it out. Share it with your friends. Let them know that there is a conservative voice. Trying to speak the truth, even though he's not that smart. He's trying to spread the word. See you guys next time. Y'all have a fantastic evening, day, whatever time it is. And until next time, see you, Cole.